Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 87. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I am Steven Moyoko, representing the Spirits region. I am also here with our host and moderator for the episode, Alex Underhill. Hey, there. I'm also here with Chucky Hornstein, representing the Spirits region. Thanks for having me, guys. We have Randy Kwa, representing the Ability region. Hello. And Travis Standiford, representing the Tactics region. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for being on here today. We have a big crew and cast on for this very special episode in which we are actually celebrating the 15-year anniversary of the 2005 Pokemon Emerald Ultimate Frontier Brain Battle. Now, this occurred on Saturday, April 30th, 2005, so... Wow, 15 years ago, if you think, to put, to put, to put this in perspective, uh, all of our junior division players are younger than this. So we were playing this thing before any of them were even born. Now, um. Oh, God. <laughs> I think most of our senior players are younger than this now. Yeah, actually, when you, when you bring that up, that's true. But basically, this is a very, very old tournament that probably a lot of people don't know about, but, um, because we're celebrating sort of a milestone year, uh, we just wanted to, this, and we haven't really had a chance to talk about this in public, to talk about what this event was like. And, um, you know, for, I think for all of us, this was our, you know, kind of first foray into competitive Pokemon in a real life setting. Uh, maybe something like major like this. Maybe some of us have done something prior to this, but this was definitely my first event. Yeah, it was definitely my first event that wasn't like a mall in somewhere in Michigan. The, the only other thing I did in my life, there was a red, blue, yellow tournament when the game first came out where like they went to different malls. And I, I distinctly remember if you had to, if you won your round, you had to announce that you won by singing the Jigglypuff song and it was super embarrassing. And then if you, oh God. if oh you managed God. to win, you, if you win the whole thing, you would end up fighting a Nintendo representative who, like a gym leader. I remember that. Essentially, yeah. And the guy definitely, broke what we would now be considered rules. For example, he had a Mewtwo named Jigglypuff on a red, blue, yellow screen. So when he did the, when he was switching between, because you saw both screens and, and then eventually it was just throwing people off and just kind of completely redirecting people in terms of what the guy had on his team. But anyway, it's not about that today. That is a very rude of that uh, representative or that leader, whatever you want to call them. But um, anyway, this is a, very special episode. It's going to be uh, somewhat of a long one here, and we're just going to talk about this event, go into detail about, uh, you know, how we got into it, you know, what it was like, and then I guess the uh, impacts from the event afterwards, you know, what it left on us. But um, for most of us, I believe that we all found out about this through an ad in uh, actually Nintendo Power Magazine, and this is Volume 190, and I actually have my magazine with me right here. Hopefully everyone can hear me. Uh, flipping through those pages, you probably can't hear that very well, but I want to uh, start us off by reading this excerpt, which kind of got us, you know, into this tournament to start with, the uh, whole qualification process, and then I'm going to pass on the hosting and moderating duties to Alex once I'm finished with this, and then we'll get started with our uh, um, delving into this whole tournament. So, I'm going to read this from page 96 of the volume 190 of Nintendo Power Magazine, and this says... To help kick off the launch of Pokemon Emerald, Nintendo is holding a nationwide online competition. Pokemon pros will be able to show off their expert knowledge of the Pokemon from Hoenn, 
Entrants who pre-purchase Pokemon Emerald will receive special recognition, but the contest is open to everyone in the United States and Canada, excluding Quebec. Just like the Battle Frontier in Pokemon Emerald, the US slash Canada will be divided into seven frontiers, and the most talented trainers from each region will be rewarded with a trip to the finals in Seattle, Washington, known as the Emerald City. Participants will be quizzed on their ability to recognize Pokemon, as well as their types, strengths, and weaknesses. The winner of the final competition to be held in Seattle will be crowned the nation's top frontier brain and will win an all-expense-paid trip to the Pokemon theme park in Japan. Stay tuned to Pokemon-Games.com for more details. So, that's the ad that started it all, and I'm going to pass over the uh, moderating duties to Alex here. Yeah, so... um I guess we're going to be starting from the beginning, which was, of course, that advertisement talking about the qualifying tournaments. The, of course, it was talked about uh, there were six regions in the U.S. and a seventh in the uh, in Canada. Now, uh, I actually don't know too much about uh, Emerald. I grew up playing a lot of Ruby and Sapphire, so I don't even remember what the seven like uh, titles of the, I guess, battle facilities. Um, I'm assuming that some of them were spirit abilities and some of the ones that Steven mentioned in the intro. Um, do you guys know all seven of them? Yeah, there's uh, ability, brave, guts, knowledge, luck, spirits, and tactics. Ooh, look at him. Okay. He's got it. Wow, seriously. <laughs> I was going to say, we could like, look him up if we have to, but uh, no, I we don't you were asking to. about like the Battle Palace Tower. The Battle Factory. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Arena. No, no, no. I was, I was looking for the ones that the regions were named after. Uh, I apologize. Yeah, Battle Arena, Battle Palace, Battle Pyramid, Battle Factory, Battle... Let's see, Battle Pike, Battle um, Dome. That was the tournament one. That was really fun. And, and now you know why Chalky was in the Battle for Seattle in 2005. <laughs> he is a trivia wizard. <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said it was seven regions, but what were the regions named after? They were each named after one Battle Frontier in Pokemon Emeralds. So after the postgame of Pokemon Emeralds, uh, the easiest way to explain it is kind of like gyms, but instead of solving a puzzle to get to the leader, you actually had a consecutive win streak under unique rules. And so each battle frontier had different rules. For example, the battle pyramids, you weren't really healing, you were going through a labyrinth, and all the wild Pokemon were designed to do one thing in particular, like paralyze you, or they were designed to put you to sleep, or they were designed to curse you. In the battle palace, where the spirits region was, or the spirit symbol was, you could not tell your Pokemon what to do. There was the Battle Factory, where you didn't get to choose your Pokemon. They were Love completely factory. randomized from a rental teams. There was the Battle Dome, where both you and the computer had a team preview of three Pokemon, and then you chose two to go into battle. There was the Ability Region, uh, which had the Battle Arena. And the Battle Arena basically... The ability had... is Tower. Oh, sorry, sorry. You were, you were right. You're right. Thank you for correcting me. The... The Battle Arena, you had three turns to do whatever you could, and then you were judged based on things like how often were you were you on the offensive, how often were your moves actually connecting and succeeding in what they were trying to do, and then also just who had the highest percentage of HP remaining. And then a, an internal game like judge would basically decide one Pokemon was the winner, and the other one would just be functionally knocked, knocked out. out for the battle. And you cannot switch in Arena. <laughs> that almost sounds like the... Uh... The timer rules with you have the uh, yes, three it's turns like remaining. That. Yep. Similar Except to that. Except that you can't switch at all. Except you can't switch, which um, I'm sure is applied to some VGC games with Gothitelle and Mega Gengar and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that shadow tag ability. But uh, that's kind of funny. Okay, so then 
Um, the you last guys, area um, was Pike, and Pike was one where you have to like choose uh, one of three doors, and and a, and a, an event happens, and depending on which door you choose, and you get a hint about one door uh, for each room. So you would either be healed, or you might fight a harder trainer, you might fight a more easier trainer, you might fight a doubles trainer, you might face nothing, you might fight wild Pokemon. It was you might get status affected. Which includes freeze. Yeah, that was that was not fun. Thanks, Pike's building was the Seviper, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Besides the, uh, I guess the random luck elements, but like it still sounds really fun. The whole uh, battle facility thing it makes me want to play Emerald. It is genuinely fun if you've never played Pokemon Emerald before, and if you're looking for something to do in some downtime these days, it's it's definitely a challenge. Suffice to say that uh, the sil- the silver symbols are pretty easy to get, but then. You can get silver and gold for each one, yeah. and the gold ones are, are mm. Gold is very difficult. I did manage to get gold on all of them, but it is very, very challenging. So now, um, you guys are, of course, representing three of these seven regions from the sound of it. We had two from Spirit, one from Ability, and one from... Uh, what was the last one? Tactics. Tactics, okay. Gotcha. So, um, but... To, uh, bef- I guess before your regions were, were the regions, uh, decided from the, uh, what tournament you qualified from? Is that how it worked? It's divided by states, I believe. Yeah, it was, yeah, states, or like region of where So the, like, like US states were deciding the, uh, regions, and then I guess Canada was one region of yes. its own. Yeah. Yep. Um, but now they, uh, the qualifying quiz, uh, that was how it, um, I guess how it started, and that was, uh, the I guess the winners of the quiz round were the ones from each respective region. I guess so. Yeah. So, so basically, there were there were three rounds of it, and with the quiz, the first round, everybody in the in that collection of states could enter, and then they took the top eight, and then there was another okay. round a little bit while later, and then the top four went on, and then the top two, and then the top two were the ones that ended up going to battle in Seattle. So then we had, I believe, two from the Spirits region, and would that mean that the two of you were the top two? Yes, yep. so uh, Morioka and I were the top two in everything said and done. And uh, you didn't know each other at all, right? Nope. No, no, absolutely. it was not. really funny, so I I had a, a buddy of mine named Joey who lives, or lived right down the street from me at the time, and we each got to the top four, and I, and I distinctly remember, man, I think Joey ended up getting third because of Steven, and I was just... Just thinking, man, when I meet this guy, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was always the joke, too, is like me and Steven uh, Parrish, which is another Steven that went from my region. We were good friends, and we both got in. And then I remember they announced, and they're like, oh, two guys from Blue Springs, Missouri. That must be a hotbed of Pokemon trainers, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on on the whole uh, schematics of this quiz. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's actually, uh, let's get into that, because I think that's kind of where we're at, is just talking about this quiz. What was this quiz that you guys had to do that is, like, the the qualifier? I remember Steven telling me about this briefly, and, like, maybe he entered under his mom's name or something like that, or he did it for his mom? So I don't that, remember. That was for Journey Across <laughs> America, um, and that was, that was something a little different. But for this one, now, we can get into all the details about the quizzes and stuff, and, like, how we kind of, well, I guess, how I practiced and what everyone else did, but... <laughs> um, I remember there's also like a cheating scandal in uh, Travis, your region. We can talk about that too. But the, um, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, you want to talk about that? Basically, let's huh? just start with the general quizzes. Is basically you're all score. They your 
final score is um, based on how many questions you answer correctly and how quickly you complete the quiz. So it is timed. And these questions are basically just asking you, can you identify these Pokemon from the Hoenn region? Can you identify which uh, types these Pokemon would have a, an advantage over? So if, say, for example, they gave you a uh, Trico, right? Um, the first round, I think you just need to find, uh, scroll down and tell tell everyone, tell us that its name is Trico. And then uh, the next one might have been an example like uh, Trico would be good against a rock type. And then the last one would be like uh, Bug would be good against a Trico, something like that. But I remember yeah. for the quizzes, like the way that the website was set up, there's a separate um, menu with a scroll bar. And the trick that um, I know was important is that I would um, want to make sure like all the answers were stuff that were up because uh, stuff was alphabetical. And that stuff was er, uh, very at the, at the top of the bar, so I don't have to scroll too much because that consumes more time. So the faster you can click through mm -hmm. all these things and then submit at the end, you can, you know, get a better score. And now I think we all know about the trick, or at least I believe everyone, I think we were all on a good consensus that this is what we all did, is that you could um, pretty much just exit out of the window before submitting your final answer <laughs> to keep retrying. <gasps> Steven, I you did that? <laughs> oh my god, Steven, what are you are you serious? <laughs> so Steven, are you saying that you guys like essentially soft reset the quiz <laughs> if you didn't get the results that you wanted? I guess or like, you know, if all the from what it's sounding like, you know, you wanted the answer to be a Pokemon towards the tops, like an Armaldo or something, because it would be because you said it was alphabetical. Something like that. Uh, yeah. And if you got a bunch of like W and T Pokemon and stuff like that towards the bottom, you would just eventually redo the quiz because you had to spend too much time scrolling. I can't remember, but was there also like a practice version of the quiz that they gave you? I think there was. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That you could actually like see a little bit. Because there was the like a practice beforehand. version of the quiz that you can that you were intended to use, and then you like do like get a feel of it. And when you have to do a live run, you're supposed to have one chance. I do remember feeling like the practice one was not exactly one for one. I think for... the practice one had, like, a set answer. Like, a set, like, the all the questions were like in it was the always exact the same, same order. Yeah, whereas the, the real one was, was randomized every time. Yes. Yeah. You know, even with that live run and the real one, um, I would still put in, I would still put in fake names, fake emails, and then go through it, and then still at the end, just uh, exit out. I would see what my score was at the end, uh, and, like, my time. And then I would just X out the window at the end and just be like, okay, I know I need to get like a better, you know, set of random uh, questions here so I can get a better time and score. And then I move on from there. But I remember even like, I can't even remember, like even with my real name and like my actual entry, I would check what my score and time was at the end. And if I didn't like what I saw, I would just exit the window and I would be able to try again. I'd be like, I need to be faster. <laughs> yeah, me and Steven Parrish did it kind of like, like we would, he would watch as I went through it and I would watch as he went through it and we'd look at the time. And if like, for instance, it got to a certain like, oh, okay, four seconds. All right. Hey, back out. You're done. You're done. This, it's not worth it. Back out. You're not going to be able to win the next one. And it was actually me, Steven, Kevin, and a, a couple other of our, fr or one of our other friends that were going through this. And it just so happened that we kind of made the agreement, like whichever one gets in, we'll take the other one as our guest, which is why Kevin was, was uh, one of our friends was Steven's guest going to Seattle. So we were all kind of like on the same page, but we just ended up being the, the last two standing, I guess. Does anybody remember hearing a name Jet? Jet was the one that had, like... I think that was the one that got in trouble. I think I remember something like Jet. 
Uh, yeah, I remember going to a couple standings, and it was like Jet from 1 to 30. And I was like, dude, you're making it fairly obvious that you're ruining this whole thing. So, like, I, I, I remember specifically that person's name, but I don't remember if it was – I don't think it was in our – region but i don't know apparently morioka knows that our region uh, the midwest is a bunch of uh um bandits <laughs> and thieves and <laughs> so it sounds like um sounds like there was a bit of a ghosting scandal here or something like that uh, maybe not a maybe not ghosting you said that a jet was uh i don't know they they signed up a bunch of times 30 times or something like that yeah, he just, he kept, he, he like monopolized all the top times. Yes. And so it was just jet from like 1 to 16 or 1 to 12, or I don't remember what it was, but I just remember seeing that region I'm, okay. and seeing and his name over and over. Oh, no, yeah. That's, what, that's, yeah. that's coming. It's all coming back to me now. I remember yeah. that too. That's what made it like me and me, everybody, we, we went through like, like I would make a name under an account and I made a different name under account. And Steven went like, we tried to use real people. So we like, if, if they did win, like we used like a friend who wasn't going to be in as like a practice run to see, okay, how does this work? And can we back out? Let's use, let's use his name and email because if he gets in trouble, then I, <laughs> then that's on him. We won't, we won't get, cause we were testing it out. And so this, this is yeah. very next oh level. in terms of. <laughs> We just took advantage of the system that was in place. It's no different than any yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, competition did, in a way. I, I, I mean, I will defend. I will defend the the refresh trick, and that that was definitely like not something explicitly covered in the rules, and it was just not it's just like the way the machine was designed. It just wasn't. There was no. There was nothing stopping it. We were I next think my level. My brother and I knew about the trick, but in the end, we never had to use it. Oh, Randy's that good, huh? Wow. <laughs> all right, Randy. Man, Ren, now he comes out with it. Make us all look bad. I remember I was going through so many different things to try and optimize my time. Like I, I like went to different people's houses if I thought they had faster internet or if there was like <laughs> a better mouse. I remember going through so many things of like, no, I, I only have a week to submit this or however many amount of time it was to submit this. And I was like, I, I, I need a better mouse. I need a better keyboard. I need like, uh, and I remember like driving myself bonkers over this. Like, I think I remember that my brother and I intended to use the trick, but in the end we just ended up with a good first run and never had to. And most, and most of the times I just use like the intended track, like the intended usage of the practice version of it. So, Randy, um, it was you and your brother that won in the Canada no. region? No. Um, I, I think we both made like the, the final rounds. Um, I think I won, I won and then, uh, Skarm, uh, Mike Papagianis. Just managed to get another uh, score that beat my brother. Oh, okay. So did you bring your brother as a guest? Uh, yeah. Uh, since uh, gotcha. since I live like kind of close to Seattle, I was able. Uh, we were able to just drive down instead of taking a plane. So we got like a travel voucher instead, and uh, and we could just bring our whole family. Okay. Okay. So that's almost kind of how uh, the travel awards work nowadays. Is that uh, you know, you depending on how you're going there, you can uh, say that you want you know, them to take care of your flights, or you can say, I'm going to cover it on my own, and then they'll just send you the stipend, essentially. Yeah, they let us take a stipend for it. Perfect. That's, uh, that's nice. Okay, so then that, going on that, that's pretty much where we're at now is, um, go, like, you guys all got a lot of, like, stuff for qualifying for this, um, just to make sure, yeah, like, oh yeah, we talked about it earlier, everybody, everybody here was a qualifier. Yes. Okay, so, um, Besides me, I guess. 
Um, anyway, uh, you guys got a bunch of different stuff. So you got like paid travel and some other cool uh, things here. I'm seeing like a, a Pikachu Game Boy Advance SP, which I am going to need to see a picture of. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I still have mine. That one's pretty cool. I, yeah, I, never I still have mine as well. <laughs> I think they never actually mentioned that that was going to be one of the gifts that they were going to give us. So they, Wait a minute. So like after qualifying, you, we just like received a Pikachu Game Boy SP in the mail with Emerald. That was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. This thing is beautiful. This thing is amazing looking. Yeah. Um, I have the uh, Pikachu 3DS, and it's very similar. Um, it's almost like they like remade it. Pikachu 3DS XL. I think at the time uh, the okay, Pikachu- it's not that sim- they're not that similar, but they are uh both very yellow. I think at the time <laughs> the Pikachu Game Boy Advance SP was Japan only as well. Okay. I think eventually they start selling it in the states, but it was Japan only at the time that they gave it to us. Gotcha. Oh boy, that's a big picture that I'm trying to share with you guys. <laughs> um. <laughs> And yeah, then, there it oh is. Man, it's even got like little details on the inside. That yeah, so the little great. Pikachu on the inside. I I I remember the first time I like opened it and I like uh put my hands on it and it left fingerprints and I wiped it and go nope and I put it right back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not using this. And this you said you've never cool used it since. Use. No, nope. It stayed in its box and then it senses. Oh I guess it came out to everybody, but I thought it was special back then. But it's still special to me now. It's it's still special. I. I remember I definitely used it in the competition for both Battle of Seattle and then next year when we did JAA, I definitely used it for that one as well. Um, but I think what, what really made that memory for me in terms of like the stuff. So with the, the hotel airfare food, that was, that was probably the better deal and the, the SP was really cool. But the, the thing that just was so cool to me as a kid was that we got the game before anyone else yeah. could even get it in the stores. Yeah. And we just got this letter that, that basically said, you're going to have to play on this game that's never been released before, so you're going to be expected, so make sure you have some Pokemon. And I just remember frantically trying to beat that game on the plane to Seattle, and I just remember getting now, uh, both oh my God. really nervous, but also really excited. Right, and right. it was just such a cool experience to have the game early. Like, um, I guess uh, I guess with the, we didn't mention really a timeline with the quizzes, but like this all had, all those quiz rounds happened in probably like mid to late March, all the way through mid-April, and then, uh, you know, they find that uh, we're among the groups of two that uh, win from our respective frontiers and regions, and then we get all this cool stuff. And like just having this emerald early was awesome because I don't remember if it was like a week before, maybe ten days before, but uh, remember the event was um, April thirtieth, two thousand five, and Pokemon Emerald releases in North America on May first. So we had this for like a good number of days before everyone, which was like the coolest thing. I remember I even brought it to a uh, school. Um, during when I had that because you know we had to play through the game to beat it, and um, someone would ask ask me what are you playing, yes. and I was like I'm just playing Pokemon. They asked me which version. I said <laughs> the, the the newest one. They're like oh that's cool, and I left it at that because I didn't know if we weren't allowed to say anything. So um, I was just very like <laughs> I'm very cagey about everything, but making these kids sign like NDAs <laughs> and stuff but, like that. I, I was I was the exact opposite. I I told everybody I knew that I had the advanced copy. But it was just so cool because, like, these came in the mail from Nintendo of America. You know, these are really special um, game versions for us. And, like, I left my original file untouched. Like, I haven't uh, deleted it or done anything with it since um, playing that tournament. You know, I've used it since, but, like, not. Um, it's still the original file I used in that uh, in this tournament. Likewise. It's a really special thing for Same. us. I mean, I definitely kept playing afterwards, but Same. I never erased the file. 
So uh, I guess we'll get to the teams later, but I'm wondering if you guys still have your teams on there. Uh, I guess well, that's kind of where we're at. Is um, so you well, first off, I didn't even realize you guys got Pokemon Emerald early for winning this quiz. Like this is in, insane. Um, that's really cool. And then, but you had to beat the game essentially in ten days and raise the strongest team that you could. Well, you could trade stuff. You yeah. get stuff in from your previous games. So, fun fact, I didn't know that but until... But you wanted to play through it because Emerald had tutors. So you wanted to use, so maybe you wanted to use some of those move tutors. You'd have to beat the game and get Honestly, battle points for those. Before Randy told me that you could trade Pokemon into it, this almost sounded like the, uh, the perfect dream for, like, blending casual Pokemon with competitive Pokemon. Like, the whole, like... I don't know. I've told this story before, but I've got, like, a cousin who, like, when I go to tournaments, they would say, like, good luck this weekend, catch them all, and I'm just like, ah, like, I'm really, that doesn't mean anything to me as a VGC player. Um, but, like, in this sense, if you have, like, a, a 10-day time frame to put together the best team, it, it makes it seem like a real-life, like, training your Pokemon is, like, so much more meaningful and, like, everything like that. I guess you can trade Pokemon over still, but like Randy mentioned, like, you're... Uh, if you want to get those tutors, you have to play through the game as fast as you can, and, like, um, I guess the faster you get it done, the more time you have to, like, refine and prepare the best team that you can, so I really love that aspect, but, like, why don't we talk about that now? How did you guys all prepare for the tournament? How did you spend those ten days or so when you had, between getting the copy of Emerald to when you had to go to the tournament? It's not ten days, sorry, it was longer than that. So, I didn't actually know until very late in that you could actually trade the Pokemon from other games because I just like didn't read the fine print. But one of the other things, so then I was like, oh, cool, let me just do that. But then one of the things about Pokemon Emerald was that you had to actually get the national decks within the game and unlock that in order to trade from from Fire Red and Leaf Green, which basically just limited your Pokedex if you didn't have that as an option. Um, so that was another reason we we were trying to beat the game as well. So a lot of that was, like, not only, like, once I figured out that I could actually transfer the Pokemon, I was, like, training one on the side in Fire Red, I believe, and then I was frantically trying to beat the game as well, because it wasn't just about the tutors. It was just about, like, could I even bring these things into the game to begin with? Right. So um, then when, so just to make sure that I got this correct, um, you guys got the game 10 days early, but when was the uh, actual tournament battle in Seattle? Saturday, April 30th, if I remember correctly. Wait, so it was you were playing it before the, the game even released in America? Yeah. Yep, the yeah. tournament took place yep. before the game was released. So you had less than 10 days. It might have been less than 10 days. It probably depended on when it, when your game came in yeah, the mail. There's an well. approximation yeah. on my end from the notes here, but because uh, I couldn't remember exactly, but uh, yeah. I think it was less it was than very, 10 days. Very, very limited time, nonetheless. Dang it, I still have my letter. I don't remember what date it was, though. So the rules came with this, I'm guessing, with uh, Pokemon Emerald? Or no? Did that come in the mail together? It was or probably no? either with that or an email or something, but we did get rules beforehand just so like we could prepare properly. And the big thing is, like this is very different from VGC, that this was single battle. It was a bring six, pick three um, kind of deal. No items as Right, well. no hold items, which was a big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like in terms of your one of your original questions of like, how we prepared is like, I I had very little competitive game knowledge before this tournament because this is my first tournament ever. So like the probably the extent of mine was like I knew kind of knew what Nature's did and that's about it. But um like I there's this one memory I have about this, you know, just spending 
many, many nights um, staying up late because you got to level your stuff up to 100 and like uh, just breathe the stuff with the nat- right natures and stuff. Um, the I remember there was one night, I remember waking up in the middle of the night like 2.36 a.m. Uh, I was still in high school at the time, so I have school the next day and stuff, but um, my Game Boy Advance was like open and uh, in the middle of a battle on my bed, I was like uh, playing against Agatha in Leaf Green's uh, Elite Four and I was just like, Oh my god, what am I doing with my life right now? And uh, I remember needing to finish that, <laughs> saving the game, and then I went to bed. But uh, I remember like staying up super late every night, um, you know, within that time period to get the game and the Pokemon ready. And the level 100 thing was was the real time consumer there because, yeah, I mean, EV training, we, you might have, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what that was until after Travis explained to me after that tournament. But the the big thing there was that. This was before all of the quality of life improvements we have in Sun and Moon and Sword and Shield and all of those games that, that are a little bit more recent. So that even just the grind itself was one Pokemon at a time. And then there was the health bars that were much slower than, than they are now. There, the, and there were so many things like the, the text was going slower and, and it was still a really enjoyable game and it's still really great. And I still recommend it to others, but getting six Pokemon to level 100 fully trained with all the moves you want, it, it took time. It really did. I did all mine through Pokemon Coliseum, pretty much. I would always raise my Pokemon through Coliseum. And I'd just, like, team it up with a fortress or something and just, like, level 100 fortress and just explode in double battles and protect on the other guy and just, like, absorb all that experience. So that's that's pretty much how I took most of my guys up there. Well, so another thing about it is that Emerald is the first game where Everstone actually helps you get the nature you want. So in Fire Red, mm, Leaf Green, okay. and, and Ruby Sapphire, their breeding is pretty much full odds. So something that I found really interesting, kind of related to what you were talking about, Randy, re-items, is just like, they were, items were uh, introduced in Gen 2, I think, as a held item. Yes. Like you can have Pokemon, and then so in Gen 3, of course, you can have Pokemon hold items. So I'm very perplexed as to why they decided to ban this. Was there any reason that you guys can Do you think, think it was of? Soul nope. or something? Like they didn't want to ban one item and not the rest, so maybe they just wanted to, you know, cut all of them. I think maybe. I think don't. it was it was a an issue with the fact that they were doing Pokemon. Uh, like I think the fact that they were using the GameCube games, they couldn't customize the rules to be just specific items, and they wanted to make sure they could ban uh, Soldin yeah. specifically. But there was an option to toggle items on and off, but there wasn't an option to toggle like specific items on and off. That makes a lot of sense. Gotcha. So it's it's one of the like in-game rule parameters, and that's kind of what they went with to maybe or maybe not ban Soldu because yeah. I guess Soldu was released at the time. It was, yeah. We we all knew what Soldu was. Yeah, and you guys knew what it did, and, and of course, Latios and Latias were legal. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That Everstone thing that Randy mentioned. I mean, that was we got the game before it was released. We got it before anyone had a chance to do any deep dives, and that was probably a little bit before people were doing like data mining things, and so. Um, I don't know about you guys. I had no idea about the Everstone thing. There was very little information back in 2005 about like game mechanics and stuff. Like most of the information that we, that my brother and I got, was from like an old site. Was it Pokemon Forever by Meowth three forty six? If anyone's heard of that, I mean, I was just saying the fact that we got it before it was released, and that was the first game where the Everstone works that way. Like, I can't remember if it was released in Japan by that point. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, good point. Good point. It would have been. That was before. It would have been because it would have been released in Japan in like summer or fall of two thousand four. 
So it would have been out there, but I don't know like if we would have had the resources or information um, in the same way we do today. Yeah, it, it definitely was long before Worldwide releases, and I don't know if the community was that developed at that point to have it dedicated translators and things like that. <laughs> That's something that I was thinking about, um, is like you guys were talking about like the quiz earlier, and how I was like, it, it, you could just like Google these things, but like obviously there's that time limit, but also like um, just online resources were not the same uh, in that time period at all. Like I remember just finding so many like false things online. Uh, everyone talks about that story, like the Mew under the truck thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was, right, right. Well, I was a Gen 3 kid, and so I played like a lot of Ruby Sapphire. And um, the one that I got was like, you, you talk to that white rock and like the space rocket so you can meet the Oxys or Jirachi and stuff like that. Wish tech, right? So many like that. Get your Latias to level 67, get the rockets to 67, and then they'll take you to the moon and you can meet the Oxys and just <laughs> so many false things that I read online that like me and my friends tried for hours on end. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did. I definitely didn't know a lot about the Everstone thing. I I spent uh, a lot of my time do traveling from Malville to Verdant Turf um, on my bike, hatching eggs, <laughs> driving places, hatching eggs. One one hand, it, it was just yeah, just it was, it was just hatching over and over and over. I, and over. I remember that long straight path that you're talking about, and I just oh, remember it was such a great egg path. And, and I just remember being so grateful that the trainers were just like slightly different than they were in Ruby and Sapphire, so that, that you didn't just coll- <laughs> collide over and over again. Yeah, there was that one cyclist or one jogger or something. But if you went like just slightly under, you could you could be right in front of like the the egg caretakers, and you could just cruise. It seems like they were uh, very much aware of like optimal like putting in egg paths in all of the games ever since that feature was introduced. Like the goldenrod goldenrod one was uh, pretty good too in like Gen two, and yeah. ever since then it seems like they yeah. always like give you something good. I like that. Um, I would agree with let's that. see. So going through here, going through these rules, though, um, there was only a couple of Pokemon banned here. Um, Mew, Celebi, Jirachi and Deoxys will not be allowed is what it's saying here. Um, so that seems to be just kind of following along with our like mythical Pokemon are banned. But the important bit of information here is that uh, legendaries uh, like the cover legendaries don't seem to be banned. Those are perfectly legal for the tournament. Yeah, and there was no limit to it either. Like you could bring all three of them to a you battle. You could bring six in your team if you wanted to. That was something that we dealt with in JA. That was just six box legendaries yeah. for a lot I of teams. I think Lugia was also kind of like soft banned or something because you can't actually get one except for a Japanese event. I remember my brother asking in the players' meeting, it's like, are we allowed to use Lugia if we, like, happen to get one by this rare Japanese event? Oh, yeah, I remember, I remember. And they said, like, well, if you have it, if you have a legal Lugia, we we will let you use it. And I think some players were, like, suddenly scared of, oh, no, we didn't, we didn't, um, account for Lugia. Someone might have a Lugia. I definitely remember when, when your brother asked that, the entire room went silent for a beat because we were just like, wait, did we, did we not prepare for this Lugia? How did this guy get the Lugia? And like the, the, <laughs> even the staff didn't know how to respond to the question because it just yeah. never occurred to them that a small child would have access to that. <laughs> cause I think, I think it was like the only, yeah, there, there was only one event cause that was before uh, Gale of Darkness came out. I, I remember now. No online trading, nope. of course. No online yep. trading. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. 
<laughs> that team meeting. You just about that. just think about that. Like all your all your resources and like stuff in game has to be pretty much dealt uh, dealt with and you know um, trained locally, right? You don't have any uh, help or yeah. any outside resources from the game perspective, at least in that sense. And like just uh, you know, with the competitive knowledge, like I was, you know, very very basic at that point. So I would I had no even no idea about this Lugia stuff at all that you guys are talking about. I'm just completely lost right now. <laughs> What's what's really funny is that there's a lot of rules where I think looking at them now and looking at the way the games are actually designed, now that we actually are uh, Masters Division players and we know a little bit more, like there's some rules on this list, like in the event of a draw, the two players battle again, like like I'm pretty sure even back in Coliseum days, that would be physically impossible because they would still have to, because like there would still be like, if self-destruct happened, it would be this, or like, and there weren't items, so like it's not like re- uh, recoil would be as common. I-, I can't even imagine a scenario where you would be able to draw in a battle in Seattle format. Oh, so you got stuck with two wall the fits? But then, yeah, but then you have, um, there's the timer, so they would have just gone, couldn't they have just gone by HP if you, I think? Was there a timer? I don't remember there being a timer. It does say here, yeah. there will be a time limit of 30 minutes per match. There will also be a 20 second move selection time limit to keep the action going. I so. don't really remember the timer being built into the game, though. I think it was like a external, manually counted yeah. timer. But I, I think it, I think it was though, because I remember, yeah, it was. like when we were watching Stephen Parrish's game, I remember the timer because uh, Stephen Parrish and Mike Papaginas, they both kind of like spoke. It, right before their semifinals oh, yeah, match, yeah. and there was that whole About thing trying of, to lengthen it out. Yeah, they I were they were deliberately that. trying to make the game go longer as a joke, uh, just because <laughs> they just wanted to see what the MC would do with the with the time or to see how with he would react. Time, yeah. And we all saw the timer, and I remember the MC was commenting on the fact that he must be really thinking hard because he's getting right down to that twenty seconds every time. And, <laughs> and I just remember like we we were in on this at the at that point, but the MC definitely had no idea what was going on and. And the commentary reflected that. And Steven, what's on your team? Pokemon. <laughs> I was going to bring that up later. I'm so mad that you got a chance oh, to say it first. Dang, yeah, that's awesome. There was, yeah, the, um, the MC was a, a local, a local celebrity for that time, but not anyone that, not anyone that I knew from, from the Midwest, but the, um, he was interviewing Mike Papaginas. What's the, uh, why don't we say the name of the MC really quick? That is, uh, Grant Goodeve is what it seems. Right, I believe so. All you TJ Hooker fans out there will definitely know. Go ahead and Wikipedia that real quick. We'll give you a second. <laughs> Grant Goodie, <laughs> yeah, that, that's correct. There was another guy, but from what I remember, he didn't quite do anywhere near as much. So Grant Grant was the one that stuck out to me. Tom Hertzog is what I got here. Oh wait, no, Nintendo's David Young served as co MCs. Um, I think Tom was like the head judge. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that, and like uh, Grant Goodeve, uh, besides being a local celebrity, also has a Nintendo connection too. Um, like I hadn't realized this at the time, like that he was the voice actor for Wolf in uh, Star Fox Assault, so he's the voice of Star Wolf in that game, which is really cool. Oh wow! Um, he's also done a lot of uh, voiceover work for several other games since then. Um, but it's just, it's just really cool knowing, like, wow, we were, we were kind of like in his presence there, and we had no idea. <laughs> Man, that makes it so much no more special. It was. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember, all I remember was that, that interview with Papaginas that I was trying to get at earlier where he, he asked him what his Pokemon were and then Mike listed them all and then he mispronounced them immediately afterwards and, and the crowd just kind of looked at him. Yeah. And then, Grudon, that's where that came from. And then the, the thing that Travis brought up, he goes, what about you? What about you, Steven? 
what's on your team? And then Steven just didn't want to entertain that at all and have go to go through that same thing. So we just went, Pokemon. <laughs> and then the entire crowd just had a good laugh. And then, um, that was, I feel bad about it now, but I think that was me and Steven Parrish's whole agenda that weekend was just to be just, uh, disruptive. Thorns. Thorns, yes. Disruptive. Thorns in the side. It was, uh, yeah. Apologies if you knew us back then. <laughs> We were we were all very different and uh, awkward people then. Like even even all the video footage I have, like it definitely displays that. Oh, I couldn't post any of mine. Like I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a couple more rules things that I want to touch on before we actually move on to talk about the actual tournament itself. Um, first off, there it's a bring six pick three tournament, but this obviously was pre team preview, so. Uh, I always yeah, ask this: How did you guys go about deciding the three Pokemon that you bring? Was, was there team preview, preview Randy? Yeah, yeah. With, oh, because you played on Colosseum. Colosseum has see the team six, preview yeah. built in. Okay, so because uh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention is that you guys were playing uh, Emerald, and that was like the base game. But you would connect your uh, your own system to the GameCube and Colosseum and play on there, which of course had team preview. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it mentions here you have to save in a Pokemon Center to do all that. I love all this <laughs> tournament setup for old stuff, like, you know, older <laughs> older conditions that had to be met. Um, it says that you will have judges. Judges have the final word. That's nice. Um, draws and stuff. The timer. Uh, timer was 30 minutes per match, but 20-second move selection time. So it doesn't sound like you would often hit that 30-minute time because, like, if you're having to pick every 20 seconds, which, by the way, that was... Uh, how was that enforced, the 20 seconds? It would. It would just basically... I think it. I think it did. Wasn't that on Coliseum? I thought there was a timer. Yeah, like was, yeah, that was all built. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it picked a move for you. It was you. all built in because you could set uh pick an edit rule set, and they could you know select that. And even in the video footage I have, like that's all present. You can see it on the. It's you know, all, everything's counting down on the screen. So it was just built into the game. Okay. 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 And then uh, lastly. Um, oh man, maybe not lastly. There's two bullet points that I need to talk about here. Um, I'll just run through them really quick. Uh, besides the fact that at the bottom here, it just says uh, some st- standard stuff. Please do not use action replay and game shark. I do like that they specifically name game shark by name and like action replay. They don't say just don't use cheating mm-hmm. devices. They just, they, <laughs> they call out the actual brands, but uh, yeah, do not cheat. And then uh, also don't use suggestive names and um, trainer names or Pokemon names. Those are of course ones that kind of stay around now too, like in the same fashion. So, but um, we have, Go on, go ahead. So they actually, they did hack checks the morning of. Um, so this is actually kind of fascinating. It still fascinates me um, just how hack checks were done in third gen because they actually took our cartridges and they put they put them in a machine. Um, but what was, what was actually a really funny story for mine in particular was um, the guy was like really in a rush. I, I don't know what was going on before me, but he was just in a rush when he got to me. And so uh, he took... Um, so he took my cartridge without the Game Boy and then just put it in one of the Game Boys that he had on, like, just on his desk. And then he ran it through the hack check, like, connected it to the little connector, ran it through the hack check, and then gave me the whole thing back with a second Game Boy SP. Uh, and was like, you're good to go, next in line. And I was like, uh, uh, I think you want, and then the guy that cut me off, he's like, like, dude, we just gotta keep moving, just next. And then he just basically accidentally gave me an SP, like, and I, I tried to respond to it, and he just kept shoving me out of the line. And I was like, okay, I guess I got, 
two SPs from my prizes. <laughs> so, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, I, Continue hey, the story. So, do you still have the SP? Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh uh, so it's right next to it. It's right next to my, my Pikachu SP on my on my shelf. So in fairness, I tried. I actually tried to give it back, but the guy was just shoving me out of line because he was just in a rush and he just like had to keep it moving. I See, have, you, are a, you are a Team Magma guy. I knew it. I knew it all along. <laughs> Yeah, as we said, the, the players from the Midwest are a bunch of thieves. So um. <laughs> we're, we're really, we're really tearing uh, the legacy of, of our people. Like, like Missouri is a bunch of cheaters. The Midwest is a bunch of thieves. I, I don't know what's going on here, and I'm so sorry that this is the way. <laughs> but it was, it was a total accident, SP, though. Was there anything like? abnormal about it was this a hack checking sp no 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 it was just like, so the the hack checking software was just on something they connected to the sp like kind of like through the uh like you know every S every game boy advance had like the gb the gamecube to gb connector so it basically yes. connects as one of those and then but to a computer or something and then they, they did they did device. something to it and they were reading the data that way but the game boy advance is just a normal game boy advance Interesting. So they almost could have done the hack checks on your own systems. They well, I think they did for most people, and I think that's why he like autopiloted to giving it back to me, just because I think that's what everybody else was doing. But for whatever reason, he would like I think just the line was having some issue before me, and then but you figured out a clever scam. A clever it wasn't scam. a scam. It wasn't a scam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to tell you. He, I tried to give it back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just trying to clear your name here. It's all right, don't worry, this is well past the, uh, what is it, statute of limitations or whatever, so uh, you can't be arrested We have our own uh, uh, forms of memorabilia from this event. <laughs> yeah, I heard Steven stole a guy's watch. So anyway, uh, let's, there's two more rules that I want to talk about, uh, just specifically, this one I find hilarious. It says, no more than one Pokemon on each player's team can be put to sleep or frozen at a time. So they have sleep claws. Um, they also have freeze clause. Now, was this an in-game parameter? Yeah, or was this it, it was, it was, it was enforced in the game. Like, basically, if you, it wasn't something that, like, you'd be disqualified if it happened. It was just the game wouldn't, wouldn't let it happen. Like, if you, yeah, the, okay, that's good, that's good. Yeah, the stadium games and Coliseum games had the uh, ability to set uh, sleep and freeze clause, which is, which I think is kind of where, like, Smogon and, like, competitive gaming, like, competitive Pokemon, Got, like, how do they uh, work though? Strong. Do they fail? Yeah, the, the move just fails. It, it just fails. Like how so the ice beam like, no longer has a chance to freeze. It's just like a, it just can't freeze. And now do uh, they? But but do they stack uh, together? Yeah, so you could have one Pokemon asleep and one Pokemon frozen. You okay, just couldn't okay, have okay. two sleep, two frozen. I think got you it. could have a second sleeping if you use rest, but like the opponent can't let you to sleep an additional huh. time. They had all that kind like of that. like a uh, complex code and stuff, and they, I don't think that's around in the games now. Um, that's kind of fun. Uh, I do really enjoy that. And then lastly, I love that. Uh, oh wait, okay, I thought the moves were banned, but no, it just says a player's last Pokemon will not be allowed to use Destiny Bond or Perish Song. Yeah, self KO. Right. Plus. Funny they don't mention explosion or self destruct, but I think that's self explanatory. <laughs> yeah. Especially since it's how Papa Giannis beat uh, Stephen in his in his match. <clears throat> Parrish. Stephen Parrish. I need to be saying his full name. Well, well, Papa Giannis also had an extra Pokemon, so it wasn't really... Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just that. But I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, there's a chance here. Yeah, we <laughs> we, we didn't realize that because like, we were, like, not paying attention. I remember you and I were talking, like, like wait a minute. Did, did he just win? And then yeah, we realized there was yeah. a whole other Pokemon. 
All right, so I'm going to get us moving along here to now we are actually going to Seattle uh, or already there, depending on how you want to start it. But basically, uh, we're going to the tournament. Um, you guys all got a guest to bring, uh, one person. I yeah, guess, but right? it, but most of us most of us were under 18 at the time, so we had to bring like parents or legal guardians. Yeah, guardian. Yep. Now, was that like a required, like your guest had to be a guardian or like you got your parent and guardian and a guest? No, no. It, the parent or guardian was the guest if you were under 18. There, there was no way around it, so I didn't get to bring a guest. Well, I mean, I brought my dad, but... Um, although people joked that I brought a guest because at the time, my dad looked a lot like uh, House from that House, one TV yeah. show. Yeah, and, I remember that. And he, uh, I remember getting really annoyed because my dad has uh, laid on set Tay-Sachs, and they're all just like, oh, he's got the cane just like House. And I'm like, no, you jerks. This this is a thing. But Wow. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that... Um, anyway, moving on from that. But the... Yeah, so I think there was a clause where, like, if you had, like, an older brother, you could do that or something like that. But, and I think Jimmy from uh, the Luck region ended up doing that. But most of us, if you were under 18, we brought our parents. Yeah, so I, I just, I brought my mom because I had to, I was only 14 at the time, you know, a very young kid and needed to mm-hmm. bring a guardian. So I just went with my mom. Got it, got it. So now this tournament was held in the Space Needle? Yeah. Yes. Skyline Wait level. It was really cool. You, so not only were we battling in the Space Needle, we had the whole view of Seattle uh, while we were playing. The whole decorated so cool. Too. The okay, whole venue well, was, the venue was decorated and stuff? I forgot the whole oh, yeah. room was decorated green. Not yeah, not just... Even the food was green. Yes. They, oh, I'm so glad <laughs> you brought that up. Because, like, the napkins were Did green. Did they have that, like, the, green Heinz ketchup that was popular <laughs> the, at the time? <laughs> the plates were green. The napkins were green. Like, we had salad. There were There was pasta. That was, uh, I think they put in food coloring, so that was also green. And then there was, um, the sauce was also green, again, with food coloring and all that stuff. And a lot, a lot of green stuff, you know, celebrating emerald and everything. <laughs> and I loved it a lot because no, it's, okay, my, that's what I was gonna it's say. my favorite color. So it, uh, it worked out very nicely. <laughs> yeah, so for anyone who's wondering, like, where this was held in the Space Needle, if you look up a picture of the Space Needle in Seattle, there is the big um, tower you can see and then... Lower down along the uh, building, you can see this like these windows kind of uh, wrapping around uh, lower down in the building, this event space. And that was the uh, spot we were in. So it's uh, officially known as the Skyline Level. Did a little research into that of what that place was called. But that's where the event was hosted. Did any of you guys uh, go to the top? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went afterwards, right? Yeah, we had uh, we had free passes to just like you're you're able to go up after it was over. Oh, you guys had free passes. Okay. I know Travis and I went up together. Yeah, I went up with my, uh, my I brought my mom, because I was, I was 19, and then Steven was 20, so he brought Kevin, another one of our friends. Um, yeah, I think we were the first ones picked up, or no, it was either Chalky or me or you, the first ones on the bus, or Chris was there too. Chris Darling, you and us were like the first ones on the bus. That we, picked yeah, us we, we were definitely on the, the shuttle, because I remember... Uh, we were on the same shuttle together because you were talking. We were talking about our teams, and um, I mentioned my three favorite Pokemon were Blastoise, Crobat, and Umbreon. And then Stephen had a Crobat on his team, and you had an Umbreon on your team. And your exact response was like, "I think I feel like we just birthed a child here." <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. So um, yeah, that was when we knew friends. Let's, since uh, let's talk about who all was uh, here at the tournament. Yes, um, I've got here the uh, the roster again. I didn't realize that we already had it in the notes, but we have the the ability, brave, guts, knowledge, luck, spirits, and tactics are the uh, seven different uh, regions or groups here. 
Um, ability was, um, oh, I don't, I don't want to read all these names. I'm going to have to remember how to pronounce him. So I'm going to just do my best well, here. Well, ability, yes. we had, we had Randy and Mike Papagianus. Papagianus. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also known as Skarm, if you remember yeah. his Skarm, old, name, all right. old screen name. Yeah. I remember, um, Skarm, Skarm and I both got a lot of attention because there was the journey across America where you had to win one of their state championships the next oh, year to, right. to qualify for nationals. And, uh, at the time, like, Skarm was blowing up Smogon at, uh, partially drawing attention to us individually just because we were the only ones that qualified both years. But then, but then there was the whole thing the next year about, uh, the rules Canada this year, yeah, yeah. The, the rules for, for Battle like Seattle, three or four years. Yep the the years the Battle Seattle rules allowed Canadian players, but JA didn't, and he entered and then like was retroactively disqualified after he already won, and it was a whole thing. But um, free scarm. But yeah, but during but yeah, scarm. But but during the time, Papagenus was uh, a very really big name, and I and I I didn't know any of this at the time because I was very. Uh, new to the community, just learning from Battle in Seattle. But then when I went to look up stuff afterwards, I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's he's up yeah, there, phenomenal player." Yeah, yeah, also yeah, I, pretty new to like small bond stuff at the time, so I didn't actually know who Scarm was at the, in Battle of Seattle. Yeah, he talked to me about Smogon at that tournament. And yeah, there were a few people who like advertised yeah. Smogon at the time, and I think that's how some of us got to going to Smogon. In fact. All right, so I'm going to keep us moving along here. Um, just uh, uh, one quick question, though. I guess one tangent that I wanted to ask is this Skarm from the, like, Skarm Bliss days and stuff like that? I don't know. People talked about, like, a Skarm Bliss team or something. Skarm, Skarm Bliss? No. No, that was, that was no, something different. Side. Unrelated. Okay, got it. Well, Skarm Bliss is just, like, the the team that the team that has, like, a Skarmory and a Blissy. Yeah. And then it okay. became. I, I didn't like, know that. And then that was the namesake for a website, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if that was somehow tied to VGC or maybe I'm mixing everything up. Anyway, uh, the next group is um, the Brave Group, which is uh, Chris Darling and Matthew Gibson. Um, so we have uh, the Guts Group with uh, Nader Afzali. I'm pretty sure it was Nader, but I could be wrong. Nader. Nader Afzali. Um, and then Krista. Salvatore. Yes. Um, and then we have the knowledge group with Matt Einhorn and uh, Thomas Mifflin. Uh, he went by PBB for a while. He was Pokemon oh, Battle Brain. Brain. Yep. We have uh, the luck group with Jimmy Trevino, who uh, is the only member here, which I, I'll have you guys explain to me afterwards. Um, we have the uh, spirits group, which is uh, Chalky uh, and Steven here in the call. Uh, and then we have uh, the tactics group, which has, uh, as we've already mentioned a couple of times here, Stephen Parrish and Travis, who is also here in the call with us, Travis. Um, then, uh, yeah, well, let's go ahead and talk about that luck group. They are missing a member, it seems, or uh, I think the person one just member qualified. Make it. I think they just couldn't okay. make it. Yeah, they said that during the announcements at the beginning, too. They're like the sole, the lone luck region person, because that person couldn't, he had an issue or couldn't make it or something like that, yeah. But they explained it before the tournament. My, I'm, I'm so suddenly that. Uh, go on. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm glad. I was just saying. I'm glad you remember that because my first guess was going to be that was the region with Jet, and then the other three spots were just <laughs> people in Jet that they just DQ. No, I think Jet like Jet got removed like before the qualification rounds ended. So mm, okay, Jet that dirty cheater. 
Chat. <laughs> I hope he hears now, in this. The, uh, in the Luck Frontier, the one that this uh, Jimmy's in, where he's, you know, the lone representative, right? Um, for the tournament, you know, we each got to play within our own uh, frontier to start in the first part of the bracket. So Jimmy just got a bye into the first round, in, or, so in the first round, so he got moved straight to top eight. Um, and uh, funny, funny just aside here, but Chris Darling, uh, I spoke with him like after the tournament, and he had mentioned that he was also an alternate for someone else. So some oh, someone yeah. else had had, had yeah. dropped oh, wow. out with enough time that they could get an alternate who ended up being Chris. And then I guess the one from Luck for who's supposed to be in Luck was too late and they couldn't get a replacement. So that's how we had 13 people for this uh, tournament. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Chris was finishing his team on the shuttle. I do remember that too. Cause he was like finishing right. He had the level 76 Gengar and like, didn't have a full 100 team. I mean, I wasn't that far ahead oh of him. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Chris, poor Chris. Cause he did, he had to get ready a little bit later than everybody else. Cause uh, he was a replacement. Now, um, I will have to say, though, going into this, the... go ahead. Oh, I, w- I was going to move us on to talking about the tournament structure, but if you have one le- thing before okay. we go no, on, I was, what was I, it? I was just going to talk about the, the, the battle, and like I was going to put some emphasis on me and Steven, because it was like the friend battle, quote-unquote, and there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of I, oh, the MCs just loved that, because we came from like the same region, and for some reason, I guess we were naive enough to not think that we were going to play each other at the beginning. They're like, I wonder how the, the tournament's going to structure and maybe they'll mix us all up and we'll be on this weird bracket. And we were kind of like, cause I remember we specifically, we trained together, but we didn't, we didn't counter each other's teams. Like I didn't, I didn't take his team into consideration. He didn't take mine into consideration because we didn't want to, I don't know. Good we guys, didn't want to, yeah, friends. we didn't want to play like that, I guess. And so I remember going into it and be like, you'll fight each other. And I was like, Oh great. And they're like, Oh, the friend battle, Steven and Travis. I wonder if they'll be friends after this. <laughs> and it's oh my God. Like, God. I'm about to, about to vomit over. And after this, but, yeah. years, then we'd get the friend rule. When, when Steven, yeah, that was long before the friend rule of like 2009 to 2011. And um, <laughs> Steven Parrish, when, when he won the uh, Grant basically just said, and the winner is Steven playing against his former best friend, Travis. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. I was oh, not Travis. <laughs> I do not like this yeah. energy at all. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how everybody else felt about it at the uh, event, because I obviously... Well, a lot of people it. laughed. Uh, I'm not saying it was okay, but the, uh, the spectators laughed. Of course, of course, because they were not invested as much into it. Now, um... What, so how was the tournament structure? Because uh, honestly, even if they did have um, the you know the uh, the other person show up, they would have a fourteen person bracket. We've uh, we've dealt with those kind of uh, brackets in VGC here when we you know as we've moved on to X and two cuts, uh, we get some of these weirder numbers like nineteen and you know eleven and stuff like that. So. Uh, obviously, you can run a tournament with this, but you have to give like buys and stuff. And so, how exactly did uh, did this shake out with the thirteen of you? So it was single elimination, best of one, and then what ended up happening was uh, they were going to pick randomly between us, one of us that would get to go on, who lost would get a, one more chance to try again, and then that was how they made it to a top eight, and then they would go to top four and top two. Oh, randomly, you say, <laughs> Randy? Randy, why don't you go ahead and tell us some more? <laughs> you want me to actually say it? No, I mean you can just just tell you us the details. What I thought the, the reason why I got chosen. I mean, was? I don't know about that, but just like you know, because we had uh, fourteen people, that only fills up seven spots into the next part of the bracket. So there's an extra slot, and the head judge basically said like, 
Um, you know, there's going to be one of the people who lose in the first round who will get to be selected by me, the head judge, to uh, get, play again so we get a clean bracket, and you ended up uh, being that person. Yes, I did. And I think I played uh, Krista after that in in the, top, the second round. And I also lost that round, too. So I, I get was to be say, like don't the tell third... me you lost, Randy. Oh, yeah, hey. and I get to be, I get to have the unique situation of going o two in a single elimination tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, I mean, you have that that stat. In your defense, I, I think just for, I remember looking at the the teams because I remember I was like really hoping I'd be the one that was randomly picked, and I remember looking at Krista's team, and I was like, yeah, I, I wasn't gonna be Krista's team anyway. I think she had like uh, Mewtwo, Jolteon, Tyranitar, and some other things. Yeah, Tyranitar, Jolteon, I definitely remember those. Yep. And, like, the battle ended up coming down to, like, uh, Curselax versus Tyranitar, but the Tyranitar has crunch, and it got special defense dropped a bunch of times, so, so Snorlax couldn't, like, survive long enough to, to try to, like, set up enough buffs to oh, take out Tyranitar. Oh, because crunch was a special move, wasn't it? Yes, it was still a special move at the time. And it was getting Spadef drops? Crunch got Spadef yep. drops to back in the day, too? Yeah. Okay. Until Gen um, 4, where it became physical, then... It yeah. drops physical defense. My gosh, I cannot, <laughs> I I cannot go back and play the games pre-split just because sometimes it's just like that was. How did we deal with this? Yeah, it's kind of weird because Shadow Ball is physical but drops special defense. Yeah, but me and Stephen Parrish were just talking about that when we were we were talking about our teams and stuff, and I was bringing up the fact that his Crobat was just a monster because like he had this like the Sludge Bomb which was physical at the time and it was just it was so good on him with like Screech Confuse Ray and all that stuff and yeah it was it's just I missed some of those. Stephen Parrish's Crobat in particular had Bite, had Shadow uh, Ball, and had Sludge Bomb, and had Confuse Ray, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it definitely it had Confuse Ray. the single reason I lost my battle. I didn't get a hit off. Like, we're, we're, I don't know when we're going to talk about that, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up then. So, uh, why don't we talk about the uh, teams that we have in the call here, actually. So, um, we'll just go in the order of the list here. Uh, Chalky, you want to walk us through the six <laughs> that you brought to the tournament? Yeah, so I already mentioned three of them. Blastoise, Crobat, Umbreon, and then the rounding out the team was Starmie, Metagross, and Latios. And I, I actually feel really bad about that now because I remember at the time, uh, Steven, Travis, and I were known as the ones that like were hoping to not use as few legendaries as possible. And like Steven and Travis actually fully committed to that and had nothing but Pokemon that you could breed, no legendaries, no restricted Pokemon that we would know in today's format. And I remember I feel felt awful about it because they interviewed all three of us, and then Nintendo Power, when they did the article, and only ended up putting me in. And I just remember thinking that was so unjustified, because I had a Latios on my team, so I technically did use a Legendary, despite having this, like, no Legendary <laughs> philosophy. And I was like, like, you know, a podcast 15 years later seems like the perfect time to formally apologize to Travis and Stephen Parrish for stealing the limelight when you very obviously deserved it more than I did in terms of you <laughs> actually playing with favorites. But I mean, Latios was one of my favorites at the time. I just, I loved the design and I loved the, the concept, but uh, you fully committed to the no legendaries thing. And I think I even said like in the interview, like talking about against using legendaries and yeah, no, go ahead and read that quote. I was going to ask because we, oh, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to read it. I don't want to read it. It's embarrassing. You don't want to read it. I mean, I will read it. Um, <laughs> go ahead. You got if this. you don't mind as long. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, it's good. So let me no, just mention good. that it there's explains a, uh, who he is minus the whole no, no, legendary thing. 
Okay, so I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it if you're, if you're just saying. So basically, it okay. said let me Chalky just, Hornstein. Well, let me just walk it in really quick. Um, so this is a uh, Nintendo Power article from 2005, July, uh, just talking about the whole battle in Seattle. Um, if Stephen doesn't mind, hey, I'll ask him to post it to our Twitter um, or something somewhere. Please don't. And, uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> share this with you guys so you guys can follow along with some of these great quotes. I mean, you can find it. It's out there. But oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've, All right. I've, if so, we're gonna read uh, this, go ahead let me and walk let me... us through it. Yeah, if we're going to read this, if we if it has to be done, let me at least go out on my own terms. So, so the article just says, uh, Chalky Hornstein took a philosophical approach to creating his team. Quote, I'm just saying like, and I hate that they put my verbal pauses in there. I'm just saying like, I don't want to use guys like Radon, Kyogre, and Rayquaza. For a real trainer, it takes more skill to raise your own guys and raise them how you want. You can't be afraid to fight with them, even if you think you're going to lose. You know you're being yourself, and that's what's most important, which is such an embarrassing uh small child's thing for me to say which to be fair i i mean i always i i've kept on to that a little bit over the years because like i have this thing now even with the cp bar i i go i think the last eight years i've gone out of my way to make sure i always got at least one championship point with blastoise just to kind of hold on to that a little bit um but for the most part like in terms of like not using legendaries i absolutely have committed to the format so if it's a gs cup year i'm using Groudon, and i uh, but honestly, what makes me, that, that part's just embarrassing, but the part that makes me feel really bad was that Travis did fully com- commit to that that year and then did not get any of the spotlights that he deserved. Oh, well, yeah, that's, yeah. Although, actually, actually, Travis got a little bit of spotlight if we want to talk about that because his picture. I would wrap <laughs> Hey, if I'm going down, if I'm going down, you're, go- you're coming down with me, Travis. Uh, now, wait, hold so, on. We'll, we will rip into Travis and his quote in a second. I wanted to mention one thing really quick uh, here um, about yours, which is that you, uh, you still kept within the guidelines of the famous Karen quote. Uh, I'll read that here. To oh, no. Reminder for people. Strong Pokemon, weak Pokemon, that is only the selfish perception of people. Truly skilled trainers should try to win with their favorites. And as far as I've heard, these are your favorites. So, you know, you don't need to feel so bad. <laughs> they were all Pokemon I had some reason to be sentimentally attached to at the time. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, so now I won't make anybody wait any longer because um, there is a great <laughs> quote oh, about Travis here. Travis, do you want to read it? Oh, absolutely. So I can use this as, as finally a rebuttal. I finally have a chance to like stand up for myself. So there's in this in this magazine afterwards. I remember looking at it and being like, "Oh, cool, we're in a magazine. Awesome. I wonder which pictures they used of me, and I wonder what." And they have this great picture. Like they took a picture of everybody like kneeling in front of a Pichu or Pikachu or something that's like, "Yeah, I'm here for the tournament." And they ended up using my picture. I was like, "Oh, that's awesome. I'm actually like right here in the middle of a paragraph, front and center." And then I read the the verbiage underneath and it uh it gives me such like it empowers me so much by saying travis stanford's own pichu is much much smaller (laughs) so i was happy about that (laughs) being being a 19 year old or a 20 at the 20 year old at that time looking at this and saying did nintendo seriously just like call me out like that (laughs) Uh, so Nintendo, thank you. Uh, I have since tried to, um, I, I've never been able to live out of that shadow that you've casted. For me. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, the Pichus that I raise now are much, much bigger. So just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unreal, man, this quote, like how could they even post something like this? I, <laughs> it is just beyond me. It's so I funny. I make jokes um, about it. 
I said, I said, surely they were all sitting around their table, and one person said, what if we said this? And everyone at the table kind of went, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead and post that. That one sounds good. Like, they all were totally in on it, so that's just me. <laughs> uh, wow. Now, uh, we also have, like, uh, pictures here in this article showing um, the, like, semifinals and the final battle, um, different, uh, just, like, pictures here of the, uh, I guess, as the tournament progresses. Um, but we got to finish talking about uh, teams because I'm realizing we went on a bit of a tangent. We only talked about uh, Chalky's team here. Let's yeah, move down the line that. and talk about uh, Randy. Randy, um, wow, when we mentioned Wabafet, I didn't think anybody actually brought it. Randy, no, go I ahead. Brought it. <laughs> uh, my team, the team I used from what I remember was Kyogre, Wabafet, Metagross, Snorlax, Gardevoir, and I think a Muck. Um, I'm not sure if I really had that much of a strategy going into it, even though I was somewhat familiar with, like, competitive battling, which is why I have a wall of it. Um, I think what one thing I was thinking of trying to do was, like, lead wall of it, try to get a KO with wall of it, then go with, like, Destiny Bond and Explosion or something, and to try to KO the remaining, re- remaining Pokemon. Unfortunately, my first round opponent was someone who, at the time, is probably much better, much better skill level than me. Had a team that was more prepared for this tournament, and had a Shedinja. and I couldn't oh, hit God. Shedinja. Oh no! I could not hit Shedinja. I think I had one attack the entire air team that could hit Shedinja, and that was Shadow Ball and Metagross, which used oh, to be Pursuit, which humorously enough used to be Pursuit until like a few days ago, uh, where I could get where I t- where I replaced it with Shadow Ball. And yeah, I could not. I like instantly lost against uh, Skarm. The uh, Shedinja doesn't even have its trademark Focus Sash here, so uh, yeah, as long as you can get one super effective move on it, it doesn't um, need one. I can't hit it. It had Toxic too, so it's not like Wob it's not going to do anything against it. Now there are a number of other ways to take it out. Uh, you can have the Sand or Hail damage. I have no Tranitar. I have no Tranitar. You can have uh, Toxic. Uh, you know, there there are <laughs> other ways, but it seems like, uh, n- I guess you had none of those. Uh, I'm curious, how many of you even ran uh, non-attacking moves? I know, like, uh, the lowest level when you're playing through a game, I know, at least me growing up, I uh, I never ran any attacking moves when I was playing through the in-game as a kid. I was just like, or non-attacking moves. I was like, you know, my Machamp is going to know four fighting moves. And it's going <laughs> to, like, you know, I, I never wanted to use Swords Dance or something like that. So I was curious... How many of you actually opted to use uh, moves like, you know, I guess Taunt, Protect, whatever you had available? Well, Anything Taunt else? wasn't very good in Gen 3 because it only lasted for that turn only. Oh. Uh, but I did have Curse Lax. I had, I had Snorlax with Curse and Rest, and then I had Wobbuffet that had Encore. And, th- and as I said, I, the Gardevoir had Destiny And Destiny Bond. Bond, right? And I think everything else was damaging the decks, so... Uh, Crobat was, Crobat had Confused Ray, Umbreon had Toxic, Confused Ray, and Moonlight. Oh boy. Starmie and Latios had Recover, and Blastoise had, uh, Counter and Mirror Coat. So, the the entire idea was, um, yeah, that was a Gen 3 thing. Yep. No, I just mean it's the Counter Tutor and Mirror Coat Breeding. Uh, Counter, yeah, Counter was, I think, a Fire Red Tutor, and then Mirror Coat you could just get through Breeding. So you brand budget Wobbuffet. <laughs> it's Wobbuffet, but Blastoise, and doesn't prevent switching. 
It doesn't prevent switching. It doesn't have as much HP, but uh, it is way cooler, I guess. It's way but, it, cool. but it's yeah. his favorite, Alex. <laughs> it is his favorite. And that's the important Listen here, thing Travis. He, it's important that you use Pokemon that you uh, raise yourself. You can't be afraid to fight with them. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was now, like, do we need to read his quote again? <laughs> please don't. <laughs> now, Steven, uh, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about the section sure. you brought to and I to kind of talk about the point of having non-attacking moves, I have a bunch of those on my team. I actually have my whole f- move set for the six Pokemon as well, so I will list those out too. Um, again, I had no competitive knowledge back then, so just bear with me with the sets you're about to hear. But there is Ludicolo with Ice Beam, Giga Drain, Leech Seed, and Rain Dance. This was also a Rain Dish Ludicolo. Nice. Uh, okay, that's good. You okay, a, classic. You have a Mewtwo with Psychic, Recover, Calm Mind, and Barrier. Um, uh-huh. Okay. The reason I never used it against uh, Chalky or uh, Steven Parrish is because they both had Dark types, and I was scared of them. Um. True. Kangaskhan yeah. is next with Earthquake, Brick Break, Rock Slide, and Shadow Ball. Um, there's something about my family. We really Vortex, love Kangaskhan. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but... Good. Wait, it doesn't even have Fake Out. Where's Fake Out? <laughs> for, for those audience members who don't know, Steven's brother won Nationals using Kangaskhan in a year before Mega Kangaskhan was a thing. Yeah. Um, but moving on here, we uh, I also have Kingdra with Dragon Breath, Ice Beam, Surf, and Attract. Oh, right? Crobat. Uh, I'm so glad that wasn't used against me. Crobat has Toxic, Confuse Ray, Protect, and Double Team. And Zapdos has Thunderbolt, Drill Peck, Substitute, and Agility. So. Wow. That was my yeah, team. I don't know what I was doing, what the strategy was, but. Um, there you go. I gotta say, every time that you keep saying you didn't know anything about the game, every time just makes it hurt a little bit more that you just thrashed me. It sounded like it, you knew what you were doing. It was, it was a, it, it was not a, a cl- it was not a close match. Like Steven Morioka wiped the floor with me, and it was extremely <laughs> embarrassing. And then I didn't even think after because you, I think you, um, your Ludicolo did so much to me, and I remember afterwards thinking like, why didn't I bring Crobat? <laughs> like I think I was just scared of the Kingdra and Zapdos, and I just didn't bring my my own. Yeah, that Crobat probably would have scared me a lot. Um, I will say, like, I guess I had strategies in mind. I just didn't have, like, that, um, you know, fundamental competitive knowledge to back it up with, so. Yeah, like the mechanics. Yeah, like, I guess I could formulate ideas for myself, and I I guess you can see what I laid out here was what I went with, but I don't know if I would consider any of these good, but um, that, that was my team. <laughs> Now, I find that funny uh, that the uh, next team that we're going to talk about is Travis's, but um, spoilers, he had a uh, Heracross, and I thought Steven was the Heracross guy, but here <laughs> we go. Travis, go ahead and walk us through your team. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was... Uh, oh, God, wait, I'm looking yeah, at this I, uh, team. I'm gonna, you're going to have to explain some stuff. Slacking. Yeah, I don't even... There's a whole lot that I won't be able to explain here. For some reason, I don't... I, I, I guess to give you a little bit of background, as I made teams like daily like yesterday's team was no longer as good as today's team and like i would oh i was just constantly always on coliseum and always raising pokemon and always so like i was telling when i was trying to figure out the six that i brought i was like i i used this team for one battle i lost and then it disappeared because i just kind of like well that that didn't work so i'm going to move on to something else like thank god um there's like practice like now that we can get online and like practice with rental teams and stuff because i would raise a whole team to like 50 or 100 practice with them and be like oh now that didn't work out well okay ditch it move on to something else 
So, um, so I ended up for this tournament going with um, slacking. Yeah, because if we're gonna use our favorites, we might as well use this guy. Yeah. My my whole my whole concept was like bulk with some power. Like I didn't mind if I went first, I was going to be able to take a hit and then dish back something really powerful as well. And so the whole slacking hyper beam, taking advantage of truant. Yeah, it was, it was totally next level. Right. Um, and then Umbreon. So that's uh we're going to keep a, 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 a tally of how many Pokemon we have weak to fighting here. So Umbreon is next. And I did the same like toxic confuse ray. I think I had wish. I loved wish on uh, EV evolutions for some reason. And uh, that was probably what I used there. Um, Walrein, another week to fighting Pokemon. Um, I think this Walrein had Encore. Wait, could you could you egg move Encore at that time, or was that later on? I don't remember. I don't remember. No idea. <laughs> okay, I don't remember either. But I thought if if because I loved I loved Wal I loved using Pokemon that had this like like. Like for looking at Steven's team, it's like, oh, Zapdos, I know what to expect. And then it's an entirely different Zapdos. Like I liked using something that had some weird things. And then Kangaskhan with Fake Out because it was just really, it was just free damage, easy damage. Um, Heracross, uh, I loved Heracross. He was probably one of my favorite Pokemon in that, in that gen. Um, and I can't remember the last one, unfortunately. Um, I wish I could, but I don't, I don't know where my, stuff is so now but yeah you, that you mentioned that you and, were keeping uh, a running track of all the pokemon that are weak to fighting but uh i see that's that four so looking far. at <laughs> looking at you guys no no but looking at you guys i think you're the only one with a fighting type yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> fighting's not very good in gen 3 you clearly There's identified no a hole in the tournament and it was that nobody is bringing fighting types i can stack as many fighting <laughs> weeks as i have as i want you know yeah we, we, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast started but basically uh, in Gen 3, there weren't a lot of prominent fighting type, uh, Pokemon that, that were really good. And like, there was, it was before close combat. It was before, um, what are some other really common fighting moves? It was before now? superpower was widely available. It was before Elysium. It was only before... on Magis and Machamp, I think. Yeah, it was just, it was like Brick Break. Yeah, Brick Break was about all you had. And maybe reversal when you were at 1 HP. Oh, which that's absolutely, I think, the strategy I used on Heracross. It was definitely an endure reversal. Which Heracross. is a little bit difficult when you do not have items. Don't have Silent yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just have to operate yeah, at Heracross's base speed. <laughs> I do appreciate that statement, though, Alex. I, I, I will agree with you. I think I was ahead of the curve here. So, yes, I was. Yeah. I was um, I went um, super strategic and said, you know what? Nobody's going to bring fighting. I might as well bring slacking. That seems like the right call. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, at the uh, actual tournament, um, we talked a lot about the different battles that have happened. Um, everybody, of course, had to play against the other player from their own region first. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So uh, that's I think that's really interesting and fun. Uh, it almost makes you think of somehow like uh, like Hunger Games, where it's like, you know, the, you came with your friend, but they're not necessarily on your team. <laughs> that's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess you know that's the that's the case for some people, especially uh, Stephen Parrish and uh, Travis here. So, um, anything else that you guys wanted to mention about the tournament before we kind of just jump on to talking about the uh, two finalists and how that went? I have talk to talk about a the comment uh, commentary, the my... stream. And I guess there were. I said stream. There wasn't like a. Well, was there a stream no. at the event? No. Like no. Like you know, like uh, well, did you a... watch the games on TV? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can watch, watch over people's shoulders to like see their TV, and then I think at the end like. The finals or top four in finals, they have like a projector. Top four, yeah. Okay, okay. I I have to make a comment on uh 
our my friend battle with Stephen and really just Stephen Parrish in general because like it was it was funny like we we there's not a lot I remember around like battles and all this stuff but the one specific thing I definitely remember and not and this is like oh he's just exaggerating no I hit myself in confusion uh six of the seven turns that I that I was in battle for this one he his crowbat with um it, he was faster than everything I had on the team and I remember in even Morioka's fight with Steven he got they. That Confuse yeah. Ray Crobat ran a train at the early game as well. It was like well. three out of four or but something. It was yeah. just he. It would Confuse Ray, hit myself, and with slacking, that was a nightmare. So that was a terrible pick to to bring him. But then it was just Screech, hit with Sludge Bomb, you're gone. I would switch out. I would switch out, Confuse, switch out, switch out, Screech, then Confuse. I was just like, God, I can't do anything here. And uh, that guy, that Crobat, is yeah, yep, that was it. But I just got manhandled in the first round, so. Um, yeah, so I'll sign off. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that Crobat does actually sound really annoying. Uh, I do love the Crobat, idea of that it was. in uh, this format, at least. Um, so uh, I, I am also realizing uh, that in the call here, I am talking with a bunch of losers. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, correct. Yeah, you chose poorly. Nobody made it into <laughs> the top four from the looks of things. Um, I'm seeing here um, to walk us through Stephen Parrish. Um, was the one who ended up beating Steven yep. Morioka. And uh, same same and story then, uh, as with Mike Travis's match is like Confuse Ray um, pretty much sealed my deal and or sealed the game for him and you know I couldn't really do anything so that was it. So Steven just wants to cry about okay, luck. Go ahead. Sure. Just keep going. That's fine. <laughs> um, now uh, Mike Papagiannis uh, played against Steven Parrish in the top four and of course Mike did beat uh, I guess he beat Randy in Randy's first round and then Randy you also played against uh chris darling no, who krista krista oh you played against like krista. krista okay krista salvatore okay sorry there's the two chris's here uh we have a chris and a krista you played against krista in the top eight and lost how did that go exactly um i mentioned it earlier um it came down to uh snorlax versus trinitar and trinitar oh that was that one okay of, uh special defense drops so i couldn't like gotcha try to outlast it so then, um, uh, I guess we had, uh, oh no, and then, so wait, you two made it into top eight, and then, um, Chalky and Travis, you guys were out in the, uh, quote unquote, top 16? Yes. Yeah, the first round. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you guys got top 16. <laughs> top 16, awesome, cool. Or, top 16 in Nashville. You, uh, you, I mean, you guys also. Yeah, we all won. We all managed to beat all the people in the quiz. Yeah, they did. That, they didn't yeah, mention at the beginning of the tournament how like um, we had beaten thirty over thirty six thousand other you know contestants who are taking part. So um, we were like the thirty six k. Okay, yeah, we're we're the yeah, la- we're the sur- pretty good. We're the last surviving uh, players there. They got to play in person. Well, we didn't now. We didn't Randy Qua beat them. We just beat him in our own way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, but I, hold on. We can rip into Randy in a second here because I wanted to ask who got last. Did you, did Travis and you know uh, Chalky and all the others tie for last, or does Randy get last for going zero and two? I feel like I can't Randy last did, for being zero two. <laughs> Randy did top eight. Like he he got top eight. He finished better than you guys, but he yep. was zero two. I- I mean, in, in the canon of their actual tournament, there was no like last place. It was just the the top, first or nothing. The top fourteen. Yeah, round by round. How much CP did you guys get? Yeah, exactly. I'm still that's holding the, on. That's the real uh, question here. 
so anyway, the uh, finals here was between. Uh, so I guess going back to the uh, the top four, um, Mike won over Stephen Parrish in uh, yeah. top four, and then we saw Chris beat Krista in top four yep. uh, for a Mike uh, Papagiannis versus Chris Darling finals. Um, and do you guys want to? I'm sure. Did you guys get to watch that one on the projector? Yes, we did. Oh, we yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, we broke. For All right, lunch so go ahead and talk it. me through what happened there. Stuff happened. God, yeah. <laughs> to say to say kindly, stuff happened. There, there was there was a little bit of luck involved in that one too, if I remember correctly. Um, I there was a lot of switchings. No I remember Scarm was trying to basically <laughs> position the Blissey, um, and then the thing that the thing that really surprised all of us was that Chris Darling had a move set that even even we were and we were all pretty basic at this time like we some of us were i mean travis and stephen Parrish were pretty far along scarm was really far along in terms of like knowing actual uh mechanics and physics of the game and then also some vague meta calls and scarm was honestly probably the one that had done the most by this time from what i can tell in terms of like other accomplishments but uh chris darling had a fly rayquaza and a hyper beam rayquaza it was fly earthquake hyperbeam crunch, and I remember when we isn't, when that was revealed on stage, all of us were very surprised at that. Isn't that like Rayquaza yeah. set when you catch it? Aren't those the uh, four moves or something? Some of it is. It might actually. No, Rayquaza <laughs> set have when you catch it as like fly outrage rest. And okay, yeah, that okay. Outrage, yeah. It was I just like so, I think of Dragon Claw or something as its last move. Go, going back like, to that, it's Rayquaza. Going back to that Nintendo Power article. Uh, Chris Darling was was quoted just saying he was trying to explain the win to others because they were asking him what happened. And in the interview, he said he mentioned Hyperbeam Rayquaza and he, Rayquaza, and he said, "I didn't think anybody expected me to use that." And I remember as soon as he said that in real life, I was just like, "Yeah, you're you're right. We we didn't." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone was like, "Yeah, we didn't requ- we didn't expect that, but not for the reason you might be thinking." Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Must have done damage calcs. He so I mean. Giving credit where it's due, he won. So I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to bash the guy. But I think what happened. What happened? Like a hyperbeam crit, crit with Lissy to KO was it, it. The fly. No. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. There, there was, there was some. There was one of those moves crit the Lissy to KO it, and I think yes. it's another, another point in the battle. I think uh, Chris, Chris's uh, Mewtwo uh, got like a high damage roll and one shot Groudon, who has hard stance up. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he woke up. He woke up. Uh, the, his Rayquaza woke up on like the second turn or something, and and then got fly off on Executor. Mm, so we had uh, he drought, which of course up. sets the so the drought in this gen sets the sun permanently. Yep. Airlock comes in and nullifies the effects, but it does not remove it. Yeah. So if Rayquaza switches out, the uh, sun is still active. Uh, right. Yep. Yes. And so that was what the executor on the team was doing. It was putting things to sleep at chlorophyll speeds, uh, as well as exploding out to get some setup going with um, Groudon. Uh, Groudon, it seems. Okay, I like that. Stra- that's a very fun, uh, neat strategy that like, actually I can kind of see the flow of it. Um, and then what, ex- what about this Rayquaza was like the really absurd thing? Because, like, I mean, when... When newer players look at, like, older Gen sets, you know, like Hyper Beam Tauros in Gen 1, that's going to be very confusing if you don't know exactly what was the uh, 
what was the reason why these sets were surprising. So what about this Rayquaza was so surprising? Honestly, I, I, I don't know if Hyperbeam is good or not. It's because it's exactly as bad as it looks. Um, why it's so surprising. No, explain it to me, Randy. I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, do you use Hyperbeam in this gen, aside from, like, Dynamax moves to, to go off Hyperbeam? No, you can say about fly because it. Yeah, I think yeah, fly was another one. Fly is well, fly is even worse in Gen Three. It's only seventy power. And and one of one of the things about fly, especially in this sort of concept, I mean, we we're we're using fly in any Pokemon game that's like not in game. You're you're using fly, and then you're televising what's going to happen. So you give the opponent an opportunity to switch to something more advantageous. Yeah, it was singles. Yeah, Uh, and singles. So he could have. Uh, so, for example, I think there was a turn where, I mean, because Papa Genus was, was predicting well. He was positioning well. Oh, he well. was. So he, he was. Oh, yeah, was, he definitely was. There were definitely turns where he was sword stancing on turns where Chris was defensively switching out and things like that. Yep. And, and then Mewtwo would come in, they switch back Blissey, and then he would just keep, like, stun and then soft boil, and he would just kept, like, Darling just kept attacking into him, like Ice Beam and oh, Psychic and this, and then would recover, and, and Blissey was just, like, soaking it up, and then he would switch out Mewtwo, and then he'd switch somebody else in. Like, there was, there, yeah, he was definitely a step ahead in most of the, the battles, just some, you know, unfortunate percentages eventually. Like, if, if we're going by chance of percentage, like, the more turns that go by, the higher the chance of something is going to happen, and so that's what ended up happening. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at it here, uh, one player... So, Chris, of course, was the uh, player that got added in at the very last second, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was an yeah. alternate. I forgot about that. That's a crazy story to see uh, that he, the alternate wins the tournament. I feel like that happens in a lot of uh, different mediums. That's kind of always fun to see. Um, but also, I'm seeing that the winner of the tournament was the person who brought three legendaries to the match. So, I think Mike was just trying too hard to be original. Uh, is what it's looking like. Um, you know, he well, tried to bring a Blissey and Executor. He did have one uh, legendary in Groudon, but three legendaries wins in well, the end. Well, Papa, so, of course, just Papa Genus did have five legendary, five legendaries. I think pa- Papa Genus had uh, two other, or he had th- or two other yeah, legendary Mewtwo Pokemon. And Rayquaza because well. I remember when when there was the top four, because Stephen Parrish didn't have any legendaries at all, like only uh, breedable Pokemon, and. He like asked he asked Papa Genus, like, do you want to do like a just like a no legendaries fight? And Papa Genus's options would basically be a Blissey Executor Shedinja fight, and he was just <laughs> absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Um So I know I, I don't remember what the other Pokemon were, but I know for a fact they were legendaries. Oh, you got them right here. They're listed. Um Groudon, Shedinja, Blissey, Mewtwo, Executor, and Rayquaza was what okay. we had. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and Chris so, uh, with Gengar and Mewtwo and Dragon, like there was or Kyogre, like he brought his Blissey based off of Team Comp, I'm sure. Yeah, yep. So um, unfortunate ending for Mike from the sounds of it. A uh, very crazy, like heroic win for Chris, though. Like just this last minute getting into the tournament. That's so kind of. Uh, I think that's a yeah, pretty awesome. Story and and one of the things, like I, I don't really want to rip into Chris just because there was some luck involved, but I think even even now, even in today's times, I feel like. We all have this love-hate relationship with the luck of the game because, on the one hand, it's so frustrating to lose by a rock slide flinch or to lose by a crit. But, but I think also when you're at a disadvantage, I think one of the cool things about Pokemon is that there's always a chance. And I think that uh, Chris took that and ran with it, and and that's okay. That's part of the game. Yep, yep. 
Uh, one of my favorite bits of Pokemon is, uh, well, not just, like, that crits balance out defensive strategies, but that, like, risk versus reward of Flamethrower versus Fire Blast, you know? Yeah. Like, do you want to be able to get that KO some of the times? Or, like, do you want to never get the KO but always hit? You know, stuff like that. It's what makes Pokemon great. Um, now, uh, I see that we have some other tangents here before we move on to the post-event. Uh, Steven, do you want to go ahead and walk yeah, us so through those? Yeah, so these are some things that just happened the same night of that tournament, but they really stuck out to me, so... Um, you know, after the event is over, you know, we all got to go up to the Space Needle, check out the view firm up there, um, you know, see Seattle and Mount Rainier and all the, you know, scenery and all that stuff. And later on that night, you know, we go to dinner, we have dinner, we get uh, more uh, accolades and certificates and stuff and just, you know, enjoy our co- company with each other, you know, being in this uh, Pokemon tournament and stuff. And later on that night, we have a, uh, this is actually a very, you know, important story that I still remember to this day. Um, the, the Smash Brothers tournament isn't it, but the, uh, elevator story I'm going to tell here is. So, we, uh, we all have a Super Smash Brothers melee tournament, um, in the, like, some, some hotel space down at the bottom floor. Um, you know, just for fun, because, like, we, we wanted to do something that night. And, you know, we're playing melee, not because it's, you know, arguably the best Smash Brothers game, but because that's the most recent one that's come out at the time. So, we're playing that one. It's like yeah. two years old. <laughs> and, um... You know, we played that. I remember getting second to uh, Travis, actually, in that thing. And the that's not that important, but that, that's what leads to is that we're all downstairs at the bottom of the hotel playing in this thing. You know, that ends and then we're all uh, leaving, going back to our rooms because everyone's flying out the next day to go back home. And, you know, I get to the elevator um, with my mom and there isn't enough room in there because, uh, you know, Chalky's in there with uh, Stephen Parrish and Travis, and I think Mike was in there too. And the thing I said, you know, because we were all saying goodbye, is I said, see you guys later. As, you know, as, as a way to say goodbye, right? So I said, see you guys later. And then I don't know who it was who said it in there, but they, as the door was closing, they said, eh, probably not. And that just, <laughs> that just stuck with me for all this time oh, playing through Confederate Pokemon because, you know... I'm just saying goodbye. See you guys later. Eh, probably not. And yet, it's the biggest irony there because I've seen so many of uh, you know these players who are at that tournament, as well as you know become really good friends with a lot of you. And you know players like uh, you know Chalky, Randy, Travis, uh, Stephen Parrish, Thomas Mifflin, uh, Mike Papajanis, of course, and then uh, Matthew Gibson as well were players I've all seen um, in for future VGC events too. And that's just something that stuck with me through all these years. Um, you know, that we still have these connections through this game. You know what they say, no one ever really truly retires from this game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I joke with people that retiring and learning when to walk away is harder than winning itself in competitive Pokemon, just because there's there's some charms, there's some times where you just get hooked because you just want that one more win or you just want that one more accomplishment. But, uh, I mean, we had no idea that VGC was going to happen because that was... um, before so many things happened. In Events at that time were few and very far in between. Yeah. Like maybe one one a year and it's like not a very big tournament thing. It's it's something kind of like Battle of Seattle or maybe be like a mall tour or something in the summer. Yeah. I, I am like really that happy. That, I am really happy that we ended up uh, keeping in touch and just seeing each other over the years. I am too. I think that's kept it really special 
for a lot of us. And I want to apologize, Stephen, because I can almost guarantee that was either me or Stephen Parrish that probably said that. <laughs> Knowing the kinds of people that we were back that, then. That's all right. And that ended up being not true. It makes for a really good memory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it and does. And now, um, there's, there's a thing I mentioned probably months ago when we did our Journey Across America episode. But after this, my first competitive tournament, this one here, the 2005 Battle in Seattle, right? Um, I love this experience so much that I wanted to find more of these tournaments, you know, keep exploring this competitive Pokemon um, venture. And, um, you know, I didn't really have a good knowledge of the game um, coming into this, yet at the very end of it, I remember, Chalky, you and I had uh, packed into the shuttle that next morning to ride back home, to, to go to the airport, rather, and um, you were showing me, um, you are telling me something about EV training. And I was like, well, what's that? And you're saying, oh, yeah, uh, Travis and Stephen Parrish uh, told me about this the last night at dinner. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And then you're showing me how, like, oh, if you fight the same kind of Pokemon over and over, they give you a specific stat, you know, a value in a specific stat, and you can raise it. And I saw your Primeape uh, level up, and it got, like, 36 or 37 points in speed or something. And I couldn't believe it, because it was at a really high <laughs> level. And I was like, how's that possible? What's going on here? I have to know more. And that's where I started to research more into the competitive game. And then, you know, stuff just kept uh, moving from there. And I'm sure you learned a lot more after this tournament as well when Travis and Stephen Parrish ta- uh, taught you about these things. I don't remember this story at all. And and just hearing... So, number one, I'm touched that you remember this uh, about our interactions. Uh, but then there's... All, but just, like, knowing that... Um, I was under the assumption you knew a lot more than I did because it was just not a, a close game at all. Um, so to hear that I taught you something is, is kind of cool, but it's also just like, man, I also just set in motion just everything in, in terms of <laughs> what would happen for I years loved, to come. I loved the joke back then. It's like, do you EV train? You, you mean battle with only EVs or like, what do you mean? Like, like evolve yeah, yeah. into Vaporeon or what are you talking about EV training? I remember when you were trying to explain EV training to me, I thought that's what you meant. And then you thought I was joking when I said <laughs> I have an Umbreon and you thought I was joking. And I was like, looking at you like, why are you laughing? And <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not a good person. <laughs> 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 um, that's yeah. We learned a lot from that one. Definitely. Yeah. We, we got a lot out of the, the event. I mean, I think all of us first got that bug for competitive play, and it was really cool just to see something like that. Uh, and, and there's really not a lot of tournaments like that in terms of just like getting to go, uh, like playing at the top of the Space Needle is something I'm always treasure for the rest of my life because I know there's so many tournaments we have to do in convention centers just to have the space for everybody now. Um, like the experience itself was so cool. And then we also got these certificate things that were really cool that just says like you're a certified Frontier Battle Brain. So like, I was just like, yeah, that's me in the game, the Battle Palace right there with the Spirits region. That's me. And the, I mean, it wasn't actually like our names weren't in the game, but, but it was, uh, so cool to see the certificates like, like we are the real life Battle Frontier Battle Brain leaders. Uh, and that was really cool. And we also just got some little things like there was like in the, in Emerald, you have to have, um, uh, an item called a Frontier Pass to get into the Battle Frontier. And they each gave us one of those. Uh, we all got, uh, weird Pokemon napkins and confetti and things. And I think there were also cookies involved that we got that, uh, yes, there were cookies were, yes. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Steven. We- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, Let everyone know that you're hoarding tendencies. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. How, how do I say this? So 
Um, <laughs> There's no easy way. You're making it worse by hesitating. <laughs> All right, I'm just I'm just gonna go in here. Um, so we did get cookies as part of like a you know goodbye package from them, and they're. They're decorated in like the uh, shapes of Pokeballs, as well as like there's a one cookie that's got white frosting and it just says Pokemon on it, right? Well, this was uh, 15 years ago. There's, I still have them in the wrapping. They're unopened, uneaten, and <laughs> <laughs> they're very, very old. And uh, I've just noticed recently they've started to grow mold on them. Just Will started the is the keyword there. Will the Snorlax still eat them, though? Snorlax will, yes. That will not affect it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it'll eat them in any tournament that allows items to be held because uh, Snorlax is eating no items in <laughs> uh, the journey across or not the journey across the uh, battle in Seattle especially if this is immunity Snorlax because he can't be poisoned anyway so um, oh true oh see there you go <laughs> but we have a lot of cool memorabilia from this event you know including Chucky's uh, we also have the t-shirts Boy. oh the t-shirts you're right oh yeah we Randy, still Randy tell us about I still those. wear that I still wear mine. I, oh, hell yeah. If you've seen me at events, you sometimes see me wear, wearing this green Pokemon Emerald t-shirt. Right? And that is the Bell in Seattle t-shirt right? that I've got, that I've had and maintained since 2005. I've been kind of, I, I, I stopped wearing mine because I don't want it to fall apart, but I definitely still have mine. Like, it's still in pretty good, mine's still in pretty good condition. Oh, nice. Mine, like, you can still see, like, the logo and stuff front and back. Clearly. I stopped. I stopped wow. wearing mine because it uh, fell apart, and I didn't want to ruin it any further. So now it just you know hangs um, on a hanger. Yeah, I have to thank my mom for taking good, very good care of the uh, t-shirt condition. Thank you, Mrs. Qua. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, is there any other things that we have yet to uh, touch on with respect to um, Battle in Seattle? Um, any other stories that we kind of missed while going through uh, different parts of the tournament and maybe things that you want to mention afterwards that uh, happened, I guess, post I have a question for the for everyone here. Um, the You know how Scott, you know, the, the in-game character, kind of wears like that uh, Hawaiian dress shirt and shorts and whatever? Yeah. Sunglasses? Yep. Does anyone remember him like maybe being a shuttle driver? Like they dressed him like that? <laughs> uh, I didn't actually take the shuttle since I took. Oh, that's I right. Drove down with my family. So I, my I don't remember that. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I was imagining crazy things, or I was thinking way too hard into the whole uh, emerald thing. So, well, no, that's not wrong though, because they colored their food green. They did everything like emerald, so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they also put this insignificant role as someone who was significant. <laughs> For some reason, I do remember someone mentioning it. <laughs> okay, well, that was a that was a strange aside, and maybe I'm just uh, going cuckoo, but um, that's all I got. I'm I'm a little bit mad that you had a, a Journey Across America podcast, and I'm only just finding out about this now. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, one of the the like having that Battle of Seattle bleed into Journey Across America for me, like they're always connected to me because. Uh, Despite my utterly embarrassing loss, uh, my very immature child self looked at that event and was like, yeah, I just got top 16 in the nation in this, in this 36,000 people tournament and I feel really cool. And I came home and I, I told uh, another one of my childhood friends, Justin Epstein, that I 
went to this thing. I got hotel, airfare, food, all paid for. I finished this place. I got $400 and it was, it was so cool. And then his exact words were, Oh, that's, that's really cool. I think I'll do that next year. And I was like, what, you mean you'll play? That's, that's cool. Like if there's another tournament, we can train together. He's like, no, no, no. I think I'm going to make nationals and, and win money. And, uh, Justin, Epstein is the kind of person that can really just do anything he sets his mind to. And like, you know, like you always have those parents that say, like, you can do anything you set your mind to. He could actually, if he just wanted to do something, he could do it. And I was always impressed with that as a kid. And uh, for those who don't know Journey Across America history, he ended up getting top four in nationals in Journey Across America. He won uh, my state championship and I had to go to Ohio to do it again. Uh, and then, uh, so I could get my qualifying invites. And I was blown away that all of this started with just he just saw battle to and was like yeah that looks fun i'll do that and it so like what what i will say about um just to kind of like put a neat bow on this podcast is that i i think this event meant a lot to me because that is just one of many cases where i think just one exposure to these tournaments just show, showed us how meaningful this can be about getting to meet people and getting to see a community and getting to have these experiences and actually like do what that pokemon theme song says of like you know travel across the land search far and wide and it's it's, it's, it was just the start of so many wonderful things. And I always picture Battle in Seattle as like, just kind of not like the birth of competitive Pokemon, but like definitely the start of a lot of our journeys, respectively, at least. Agreed. That's, I think that's what it felt like for me too. So it was, it was just the beginning. Like it was me, me and like two other friends who ever played this game and and we only ever trained together and we only ever practiced against each other and we only ever you know like it wasn't until bad on Seattle where i realized like oh wow that i never even thought about that strategy or putting these things together or wow that's interesting and this and that and like it was literally the beginning of where we are now uh, not only from a like a like a, a tournament standpoint but like from us as players and friends and pe- like it's it's cool yeah it was it was really impactful in my life I love that it started as uh, just a bunch of people that are interested in um, live tournaments, regardless. Uh, you know, like, it wasn't really about, like, getting to play uh, singles versus doubles. It was just about this, like, community aspect, going to a tournament to, like, you know, witness other and, like, hang out with other uh, fans of the game. I think that's just really what it's all about. Agreed. Randy, what about you? What did this mean for you? Hmm? Uh, for me, it was, an, it was definitely an eye-opening experience. It's it's something that I'm never going to I'm probably never going to forget. It, like both how the amazing like even though I didn't really interact too much with like other people at the time, um, I really felt that it was an amazing event. Even though my actual tourney, tournament experience was kind of awful. Like I went O2 in the tournament, and I and I wouldn't even be allowed to play in official tournaments for the next four years. And another, and take another two years after that before I actually make a breakout experience in, in a tournament. And it's kind of interesting how things work because uh, six years later I reunited with with all of you guys uh, at 2011 Nats. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I I am really happy that we were able to keep in touch over the years. Yeah, man, you guys are all really old. <laughs> yeah, you're time stamping the heck out of us right that is, now. That is a fact. We are all uh, old and have uh, been playing around. You guys met up like over five years later in 2011, and that's a long time <laughs> ago. Like, I think my first time <laughs> meeting Steven in 2011 was because I recognized someone wearing a green shirt. The Battle in Seattle Emerald oh, shirt. Oh, yeah. And yeah, like, I do remember this. Like, were you at Battle in Seattle? And it's like, yeah, and you said, yeah, you were. 
I think I might have also been wearing in that at, at the time. Yeah, I think that's how we uh, would have reconnected then. That's awesome. So I think that's that's how we reconnected it through remembering Babel in Seattle. Yeah, this this event was you know just really something special for all of us. You know, for for me it was also just a catalyst for you know everything that's come after you know being so involved in Pokemon, especially the competitive side of things, and just being in that atmosphere. You know, wanting to feel that again. You know, being with people who had this interest, same interest as you, the same hobby. To be like, I can speak this you know secret language without having to worry about people not understanding me, and I can just don't have to go through simple basic explanations and just say. You know, yeah, I get what you did there. You're like, oh, that's really cool. Here's what I did. All that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just one of the, this was what started it all for, uh, for myself and for many of us. And, um, it was just, you know, really cool to just be part of this whole experience. And, um, yeah, I, something like Randy said as well, it's just something I'm never going to forget. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. Now I feel uh, a bit weird doing this, but uh, I I guess we'll start wrapping up the show unless there are any anything else that uh, people wanted to mention. Any other stories about Battle Seattle? Any last comments? I think that'll do. All we'll right. Always have Seattle. Uh, I'm actually gonna make I'm gonna make Stephen do this part because I don't know what to say. <laughs> Stephen, get back in here. Got it. Um, so. Everyone, thank you for, you know, bearing with us for this longer special episode. Um, just, you know, some of us in the cast here who were part of this experience, uh, 15 years ago, um, celebrating that anniversary here. And we want to say thank you to, uh, Chucky for being on the show here with us today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Randy for being on the show with us today. It's my pleasure to be here. And so much thank you to Travis for being on the show here as well. Yeah, I appreciate you thinking about me on this one. It was good to reconnect. So, big thanks to all of you for joining us for this uh, show here. And uh, big thanks to Alex for, you know, stepping into the uh, big host role today. Um, You know, always love having you on our show. Oh, yeah, it's been fun. And with that, everyone, thank you for uh, celebrating this episode with us today and this event. We'll have a bunch of, uh, I guess, photos and videos we can link on our Twitter account, which you'll be able to find those if you want to, uh, you know, just check some of those things out. But you can find our show on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Remember to leave us a review in all those places to help with visibility um, so that others can discover the show. In terms of discovery, you can also tell your friends about us. Let them know if they're interested interested in a show about competitive Pokemon that they can find us right here on the Hypervoice. And you can also send your comments, questions, and feedback to our email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com. And you can also find the show on Facebook and on Twitter at the Hyper Voice. Now, um, Alex, Randy, and I, I believe, have uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, Chalky, Tw- Travis, I don't believe you two do have those. I do not. No, I don't either. Yeah, I kind of. Cool. Yeah. That's fine. So um, if anyone wants to reach out to you two, they can uh, get it through the rest of the three of us or, you know, find you on Facebook or something. I'm um, hoping you don't mind that I'm plugging that. But you can follow me at Super Morioka. Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Lexicon VGC. And Randy, where can people follow you? At R underscore inanimate. Awesome. Thank you, the listener, so much for listening to our show. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for more of the Hyper Voice. Alola. Alola.